Hey friends, before we get to this week's episode, we have a couple of great things coming up this month at Redemption Hill that we want to share with you. All the details for these you can find on the website that's linked in the show notes. First, we have All Be Home for Christmas, a hand-spun, homemade family Christmas show. This will be December 22nd at the Basque Center downtown at 6 p.m. This event is sponsored by Boise Turnkey Real Estate, and all the proceeds will go to support Leap Housing. You can bring your whole family and you can RSVP at the Facebook event, also linked in the show notes. This year, we'll be doing two Christmas Eve services in conjunction with Discovery Church. Those will take place at 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We hope to see you there. Now, enjoy today's episode. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kyle Cabral. Uh, welcome to uh, Redemption Hill. Um, so as we begin this Advent season, uh, we're going to be doing this through microchurches. So we wanted to uh, record a little bit of a, a message as we, we devotionally look at the word in order to continue to reflect during this season. Um, so uh, if I haven't met you yet, again, I'm, I'm Kyle Cabral. I'm a pastoral resident here at the church, just uh, working to develop my ministry skills as I follow my calling. And I currently do work at the church uh, serving young adults. Um, so the first week of Advent is one that looks at hope, especially the prophetic hope. And so to do that, I want to look at the character Mary, uh, who shows up in the Christmas story. Um, and, and what I want to look at here is who she is and what does her hope look like and how that impacts us. So to begin with, we need to understand that she is a, a teenage young woman, probably somewhere around 13 to 16 years old from a family of middle class or more likely lower class status. So basically somebody of no actual social influence in her culture. Um, if, if God was going to work through anybody, she probably would be the last one on the list from a cultural perspective, right? Um, as she's going to reflect on her understanding of God and her understanding of hope, she's going to be looking at what we call the Old Testament, especially the prophetic witness of the time. So how would people in the first century understand the prophetic witness? What were they looking forward to? Well, I'm sure you've heard this before, but they were looking forward to somebody who was going to be powerful, somebody who was going to have military might, political influence, and they were going to come in and they were going to overthrow Rome. That's what a lot of people at the time expected. And quite honestly, if we look at our culture today, our country, a lot of people are putting their expectations and their hopes on political influence and might and status. We have a problem in the church of celebrity pastors with massive stages and massive influence. Could God ever work through me? What good would that be, right? There's, there's all these other people he could pick. And what we see is when you look at Luke 1, God shows up to this young woman, the unexpected, and says, actually, through you, I'm going to change the world. And that's a really powerful story. It's one that we, we skim past when we look at the Christmas story. 
but stop and think about what that would have meant for her. An angel literally showed up to her of all people and said, I'm going to do something and I'm going to do it through you. Do you realize that God's saying the same thing to you? You may not feel like you have a great voice in our country. You may not, you definitely don't feel like you have a great voice in the world. What difference could I make? That's the same question Mary's asking. When you get to verse 46 of Luke 1, Mary's still reflecting on this idea of what's happening. What is God doing right now? And she's looking back at who we've seen God be throughout the scriptures and what is he doing now? And it's really cool because in verse 46 of chapter 1 of Luke, she throws down a freestyle. This is like the first Christian rap. Um, it's really awesome. And it's, it's called the Magnificat. And Magnificat is a, a Latin word. I'll point it out to you when it pops up in the text. But it's, 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 it's a really cool song that she just she starts freestyling right there. And she says in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Well, that's a really important line. First of all, when it says, my soul glorifies the Lord, that word glorifies is where we get the name Magnificat. It's the Latin uh, way of saying this word glorifies. But this line is also important because it's the first line of Hannah's song back at the beginning of 1 Samuel. If you don't remember who Hannah is, Hannah's going to be the mother of Samuel. You read the book of Judges, and... Uh, by the time you get to the end of the book of Judges, it's depressing. It's, it makes me angry to see how horrible the people of Israel in general have become because they've walked away from God and everything looks dark and confusing. Where's God in the mix? Well, God's still there. It's the people that have walked away from him. And then Hannah is there. And through this, what appears to be a miraculous birth, we have Samuel this big significant prophet who God brings to the people to help get them back on the right track. So when she quotes that line from Hannah's song, she's like, wow, God's doing something big again, but he's doing it through me. This is crazy. He's doing something even bigger now, right? My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Why? He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, I used to read this and feel like this sounded really arrogant from her. Like, God's great because look at all that he's given me. I'm going to be, you know, so amazing and famous. But no, reflect on that text again. She's doing the exact opposite. She's still sitting there asking the question, why me? I didn't think it was going to be me. I'm the last person that should have been picked for the dodgeball team, right? Like, I'm a social nobody. And she's like, I can't believe that God sees me. He could have picked the rich. He could have picked the powerful. He could have picked the famous. He picked me teenage girl, probably poor, not anybody that stands out. Think about that. That message applies to you. 
He is mindful of you. He's focused on you, and his call is to you. But the the text starts to change, starting somewhere around verse 50. um, The verb tense in there, it's hard to read it in the English. In the English, it looks like it's all in past tense, but it's uh, aorist tense, which means even though it reads in the past tense, there's not a time limit on it. Those words still stand, and you're going to kind of see how that plays out. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear him, to those who place their faith in him, He's definitely still her God. He hasn't left them behind. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. We can see this. Yes, he did do those things. When did he scatter the proud? How about Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel? And we could keep coming up with examples. And guess what? He still scatters the proud. He still performs mighty deeds with his arm. And his mercy still extends for those who place their faith in him. She continues on. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Well, again, we see in the Old Testament over and over again, people who wanted to rule according to their unjust systems. Take Pharaoh, for example gets reduced. But the humble, the slave people Israel, are brought up to be his chosen people. Um, we look in Psalm 37, 11. Uh, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Hey, I feel like Jesus says something like that later on. He still is doing this. Um, so he's, he, he's filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She starts off the song just completely humbled by the idea that God would choose even her, and then continues on to say, yeah, but that's who he is. That's what he does. The rich, the powerful, the, the ones that base their hope on politics and military power or big names, they fall and their big names don't amount to much. The people who place their hope and their trust in God will be blessed. And not only will they be blessed because God's going to provide for them, they're blessed because God calls them to participate with him. And that's the entire, we see that from the very beginning in the garden when God takes these these two people and says, I'm calling you to serve with me, to participate with me. And that message still stands for us today. And we can place our hope in the God who says, I see you. I see you and I'm calling you to partner with me. I'm going to do amazing things, and you're the one I want to do it through. Um, It's important to know that this is not an easy journey for Mary. When the angel showed up to Mary, starting at verse, uh, where is it at? Verse 26 in chapter 1, and he proceeds to explain to her what's going to happen. 
it's again really easy to read through this this story of okay well mary's going to carry a baby yeah but she knows being pregnant when you're not supposed to be pregnant can carry a death sentence that's a reality that she's very aware of and even if she doesn't get a death sentence she's aware that this is going to significantly impact her way her life in a challenging way when god calls you he's not necessarily calling you and saying it's going to be easy mary never thinks this is going to be easy but god calls her and because she knows who god is and has placed her hope in the story up until now and places her hope that that story is going to continue she's able to respond and what's interesting is i love the fact that god waits for her to respond and this is what she says verse 38 I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Do you believe that God is calling you? He's not calling the rich, the powerful, the, the, the people with their names and lights. He's calling you. Do you believe that? And are you willing to place your hope in him in a way that it compels you to step out in that participation, in that mission? Because Mary was willing to do this, um, to, to look death in the face and say, yeah, but I've got my hope in God. Um, Elizabeth responds to it in verse 45 and says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Because she placed that much hope in God and was willing to step out, she's even a role model to Elizabeth and to others and she can be a role model to us. We too can step out. One other thing I want to point out is the God that she placed her hope in and the God that we can place our hope in, um, two different times in this song, she mentions the fact that God is merciful. The powerful can be self-seeking. Um, when you look at first century Israel, very often the people that Jesus is interacting with, the gatekeepers, so to speak, are judgmental and harsh and they lack grace. But God is merciful. Um, it mentions it twice. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's loving. He picks up the humble and he feeds the hungry. He cares about justice. He sees other people the ones that everyone else can overlook. And that kind of points us to the calling that we're called into. We're called to be merciful, compassionate, just. We're called to lift up the other people around us that are humble. We're called to feed the hungry. We're, cared to see, we're called to see others. So reflecting on this again, as we begin the Advent season, a time when so many people can get wrapped up in themselves. What can I get? How much money should I spend? Getting really caught up in calendars and schedules and parties and all of these different things. I want to challenge you to start off the season by asking, what do you place your hope in? And if you say that you've placed your hope in God, then understand that God's calling you to act on that hope and to participate with him in his mission. And the moment you start to think, well, what can I really bring to the table? 
understand that you're asking the wrong question. He's already determined what you're bringing to the table. You're bringing hope, and he's going to work through it. Okay? If you believe that, let's reflect on that together and let's act on it. Thank you for joining me. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.